0: You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. you would please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 35, Genesis chapter 35, this is God's Word. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you, and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had, and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now, Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel. So it was named Elan Bakuth. After Jacob returned from Hadan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. When they moved on from Bethel, while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal-Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah, and Israel heard of it. Jacob had 12 sons, the sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph, and Benjamin the sons of Rachel's maidservant, Bilhah, Dan, and Naphtali, the sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, Gad, and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padanaram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac in Mamre near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years but then he breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people, old and full of years. and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. First of all, Jacob was in a bind. At the end of the last chapter, he's very fearful. he's concerned that he and his Descendants might get wiped out by the pagan people who lived around where they were. And the reason for that was because two of his sons had obliterated the residence of the town where they were living. Two of his sons had deliberately, with planning and forethought, premeditated murder they had murdered the residents of that area. And Jacob's fear is, now we're in trouble. What if these neighbors hear about what's happened and they come and wipe us out? I mean, who would want to have people living in the community who are mass murderers? Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there and build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. God says, I'm going to take you back to where I first met with you. I want you to just stop and think about that for a moment. We've had a lot of people come back to the ranch years later, want to bring their family back, because this was, in their life, the place where they first really encountered God. Now, God is everywhere, but God meets with us at specific times, and specific places, specific circumstances, in specific ways. Is God everywhere? Jacob even acknowledges when he tells his family, we're going to go to the place called the house of God. He had named it that. We're going to go to the place where God lives, and you need to get ready before we go. But he says, this is the God who's been with me everywhere I've been. So it's not as if Jacob thought God only lived there. It's the fact that that was a place where he had encountered God so powerfully that he named it God's house. He concluded, this is the house of God. So he goes to his family, and he said to them, and all who were with him get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you he knew they had a bunch of idols you know i mean his wife his favorite wife had stolen her daddy's idols and there'd been a big bruhaha about that and you remember she hid them and lied to her dad and now that dad is out of the picture, he's on the other side of the monument they set up. He can't come this way, we can't go that way. Now that that's over with, she wasn't keeping those idols secret. And they weren't the only ones. Other family members had acquired idols, things that are in and of themselves nothing, but there are demons attached to those things. The Old and New Testament make that clear. You may have something in your life that you would not bow down and worship that thing, but that thing becomes an opportunity for the enemy to have you in bondage. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit wvr.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife Susan. Again, please visit wvr.org today. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. So, he says, you need to change clothes. Not only get rid of your idols, but don't dress like that. What should we dress like? Well, don't try and imitate the pagans. So are we supposed to like, you know, look Amish or something? No, but if your priority is trying to look like the world, I was astonished. Dolly Parton released a song for her 77th birthday, and I am not endorsing everything in that song, and I'm not endorsing Dolly Parton. But Dolly Parton says she literally had a dream that God was standing on a mountain and saying to her and the rest of us, don't make me come down there. And one of the lines in her song, Dolly, one of the lines in her song that she's just released is you need to stop dressing that way. Put on some clothes. Be interesting to see what happens to Dolly's wardrobe in the next six months. Okay? But I'm, she also has God saying in that song, if I have to come down there You know the old expression, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you? That's not what God says in her song. He says, if I have to come down there, I can promise you this. It's going to hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. Whoa! Sounds like Dolly had a dream about the God who warns, repent, turn. Stop trying to fit in with a bunch of people who are on a fast track to hell. You understand? If that's where you're taking your cues about what I'm supposed to do, what I'm supposed to look like, how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to talk, you're getting coached by the wrong team. Jacob says, you need to change clothes. We're going to go to God's house, change clothes. So... They gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob destroyed them. No. No. He buried them under the oak at Shechem. And then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon all the towns around them so that no one pursued them. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry. You read the rest of Scripture, and you will find out that just taking your bad stuff and, and putting it all together and burying it somewhere in case you ever need to come back to it, not a good move. Then they set out and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them so that no one pursued them. Why did that happen? Because they buried a bunch of idols under a tree? No, because God was protecting them despite the fact that they were not doing such a great job doing the right thing. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El-Bethel, which means God of Bethel. Because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now, after Jacob returned from Padan aram God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said, your name is Jacob, you'll no longer be called Jacob, your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel, He's recalling something there. And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. And the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I'll give this land to your descendants after you. And then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. So God, in one way or another, manifested his presence to Jacob, whom he had given the name Israel, the one who wrestles with God, and then God visibly left, went up from him. So Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had, asked, uh, had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering and also oil on it, and he called the place where God had talked with him, Bethel. That's a recap of what had happened. Then they moved on from Bethel. Why? The reason they went to Bethel was because God said, go there and settle there. Well, they went there and they worshiped there, but then they moved on. They moved on from Bethel. And while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty, the midwife says, don't be afraid, you have another son. But she died. And as she's dying, she names him, son of my trouble. And Benjamin says, no, son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Israel moved on again, verse 21, pitched his tent beyond Megdal Eder, or Eder. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben, his oldest boy, went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. Excuse me? Now, I thought these guys knew that that's not the way you're supposed to behave. Simeon, Simeon had said in the previous chapter to justify he and Levi taking vengeance on a whole city full of people. Should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? Well, what's he doing to his father's wife? What? I mean, you can't have it both ways. When somebody else does something immoral, we want to say, that's wrong! When we want to do something immoral, it's like, well, you know, (laughs) I just, my passions were so strong. A lie from the enemy. You and I do not have to give in to temptation if God lives in us. Now, if you don't know the Lord, good luck, okay? You will find yourself absolutely powerless to resist. But when you turn your life over to God, God himself comes to live in you. And it doesn't mean you'll never sin. It means you don't have to anymore. When you and I mess up, it is not because God let me down. God put me in a situation where, you know, I just had no choice. Yeah, you did. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful and will not suffer you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape so that you might be able to bear it. You can say no to sin if you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So so that means if I see somebody who claims to be a Christian and and they do something wrong, that's, that's their fault. Yeah, but that, your finger's pointing the wrong way. Okay? Look back at yourself. My, my point is, when I do the wrong thing, I have no excuse. When you do the wrong thing, if you know Christ, you have no excuse. We do, however, have an advocate with the Father. If we claim to be without sin, we're only deceiving ourselves. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, does the devil ever try and make you feel guilty about something that that really isn't wrong? Yeah, definitely. Because if he can get you to feel like, "I've, I've tried and I can't succeed, so I'm giving up, then he's accomplished a great deal. But the fact of the matter is we sometimes feel guilty about things we shouldn't feel guilty about. Because God didn't say don't do that. And we sometimes fail to feel guilty about things we should feel guilty about. Just so that we can go around with a weight of guilt? No, so that we'll repent. What Simeon did was absolutely inexcusable. And it's going to come back to haunt him later at the end of the book of Genesis. But One of the points we keep making over and over on purpose, that the text keeps making over and over because it's inspired, is that all these people that God saves are a mess. Would you say that Jacob's family was dysfunctional? Yeah, definitely. So, Jacob had 12 sons and gives the list. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padanaram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac in Mamre near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, and where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. And Isaac lived 180 years. And then he died and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Old and full of years. And his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. Well, that's two things I want to say about that. That And maybe three. Number one, over and over and over and over and over, God tells us this person lived this long and then he died. This person lived this long and then he died. This person lived this long and then he died. In this chapter, we've got Rebecca's nurse dies. Rachel Jacob's beloved wife dies. And now his father dies. If you're human, the mortality rate is 100%. And we need to live in light of the fact that our days are numbered. And make the most of whatever opportunity God gives us. I don't know how long I'm going to live. I'm grateful to be alive right now. But I don't know how much more time I have left. Well, didn't you recently get a good uh, a good report from your general practice doctor? Yes. And uh, did you see the cardiologist in the last 6 months? Yes. What did he say? Everything looks good. Okay? So, you're going to you're going to be around a while. Not necessarily. Trees fall on people. You understand? Lightning strikes not making you sin, just taking you out, Pastor Wood. You don't. If I heard that you had been struck by lightning, I would think that God was upset with you. Hey, let me tell you. If God wants to take me out in some instantaneous way, I, I, I will choose that. Thank you. Okay. So do you go out and hold up a metal key? No. I'm not trying to get killed. I'm just saying, God knows. But you and I need to live now in anticipation of the fact. We're not always going to be in this situation. Even if we are old and playing tennis, one of these days, boom, we're going to be gone. That's point number one about Isaac. Point number two, Isaac spent the last third of his life waiting to die. All of us are going to die, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't be living for the Lord right now instead of just waiting for death like Isaac did. And the last point is that Jacob and Esau got together to bury their dad. There had already been reconciliation. There had already been healing in their relationship. And even though Jacob said, yeah, you go on ahead and I'll be there in a while, and that was a lie, The text makes it very clear that Esau had already forgiven Jacob. Don't wait until the funeral of somebody you love to forgive somebody who you're holding bitterness against. God commands us to forgive. He doesn't command us to live together. He doesn't command us to just like each other. He tells us we need to forgive and we need to love even our enemies. I'm so grateful that the first meeting between Jacob and Esau was not at the funeral. They had already come together, already hugged each other, wept together, and then they lived apart and came together when Dad died. That's good. Learn from it. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ.